Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author Max Maddox. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you, we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing, how you got started. So, um, I've been writing since 2018. Well, I, it's one of those questions. Like I've been writing since I was a kid, but I haven't like published since 2018. So there's that answer. Um, but I write, um, LGBTQ primarily MM like male, male romance, um, with, crazy shifters like I, I prefer to do like wild and crazy stuff when it comes to my storylines like I've got a series about dinosaur shifters I've got a wild west centaur romance I'm working on a new urban fantasy um so that's that's kind of my bag um dinosaurs is I think what I'm probably most known for is my dinosaur mm romances and I'm a huge paleontology nerd and I put a lot of that love into that series um that's something that I've had just as long as my passion for writing is my love for dinosaurs. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where that came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a lover of all romance, but I, I tend to lean more on the gay romance side. That's mm-hmm. like where what I like to consume the most. That's what I like to write. So that's kind of me in a very rough nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I love your potential explanation as far as the dinosaurs didn't technically go extinct they just are shifters and they decided to not be in dinosaur shape for a while right <laughs> Versus- basically yeah like in the lore that i had set up in the relic series they they had they're like shifters that have always been able to take different forms like their life forms have been, that have been around since the beginning beginning of time and they just hopped from form to form as they needed to and then when the big impact hit in the cretaceous they had to, they, you know, turned into these tiny little pre-mammal things burrowed under the ground and went to sleep for 65 million years. And when they woke up, they jumped into a human form, but they couldn't really go backwards all the way. So now they're only limited to their human side and their last previous dinosaur form that they connected with the most. So that's how I was able to like manipulate that in my brain. Cause otherwise it's like, I guess I could technically make them birds, but like birds are awesome, but I want a T-Rex. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, I love it when, you know, authors create their world and do their world building, but still provide us with some form of information as to h- how you be here. You know, how yeah, did you right? become? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me some backstory. Is it magic? A little bit. Like, yeah, yes. give me, give me something. <laughs> so, um, you had touched about how you love um, consuming the LGBTQ, specifically MM romance, but what is it about that genre as a whole and then specifically as MM that you love about so much that not only do you love reading and consuming it, but you also love writing it? You know, it's it's a tricky question um, because I don't know if I have a definite answer to that. Like I, it's one of those things that like the first time I read an MM novel and I, I want to say my very first one was called cut and run by Abigail Rue. And I picked it up on a whim. I think somebody recommended it. And it's like this um, thriller gay romance. Um, and I, I had never read anything like that before. Like I had dabbled in some like yaoi and BL manga, like back in the day, but I never read a truly Western like romance with two boys. And I don't know why, but like I got to the first like kiss scene and I was like, 
this is it. Like it just like connected. I loved it immediately. Um, and I think if I try to dissect it to really like unpack what it is about MM romance specifically that spoke to me, I think it was about 2016 or so is when I really started consuming a lot of it. Um, and I was kind of struggling with my own sexual identity and like my, my gender identity and things like that. And I think reading that LGBTQ romance, even though it was just, it's just gay men, they're both cis, you know, it was, it's pretty straightforward romance. Um, it kind of allowed me to mentally explore that, uh, that side of myself. So after a couple of years of consuming mostly, you know, gay romance, and I dabble a little bit into like sapphic stuff, I was able to kind of like understand more about myself. And a couple of years later, I think right when I started publishing, I realized I was pansexual. And, um, you know, to this day, I'm still kind of like, you know, I'm not a hundred percent, I think, cis, like I, I'm leaning more by like non-binary every day. Like I still am very comfortable with she, her, so that's, that's who I am, but, but right now, but it's being okay with that fluidity and like really just allowing myself to explore that, I think is one of those, like, it was that quiet, click of the key that I needed to like be like huh this queer thing maybe I'm that (laughs) it was just one of those things that I I think it allowed me to remove myself from the romance because when you're reading you know um when I was reading het romance I I always tried to associate myself with the female character I kind of got like wrapped up in that but reading it as two men it kind of like let me step back a little bit from it and be like I don't know kind of explore that side of myself a little bit so of course that part of it is also why I wanted to start writing it because I could play with these um, these gender roles, these these relationship dynamics that are the same as what I'm used to. I'm you know, married to a man. You know, I've, I've been in a straight relationship for, I think, like 10 years up until that point. So um, it was able to really help me explore that. And, you know, I've been kind of going for it ever since. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's It's I love the genre because it's allowing everyone to kind of feel and be seen and mm-hmm. more normalized that, I mean, this is what the real world looks like anyways, except for the dinosaur shifters. <laughs> hey, well, you know? we can hope. Right? We can hope, right? I mean, it yeah. would significantly be more an interesting world if they were that the case. Um, but again, it's just one of those um, genres that now is beginning to become more and more popular, especially mm-hmm. within romance community. Um, right where you know there's different camps as to the why and everything but what we all see and have in common is we just love the love story right yeah that's what it boils down to it's it's is seeing love stories all different types all different angles that they can come from all different relationship dynamics and identities and it's just when it boils when you boil it down to the the bare bones of what it is it's we love love we love that connection to another person uh no matter how it is shaped and and formed um, and I, I, I love love stories and, and it's just something I've, I'm extremely passionate about and something I connect to immediately. If anything we watch, if there's even like an inkling of a love story, I'm like, I'm 100% committed. Like my husband always just like rolls his eyes and looks at me. He's like, you're already shipping them, aren't you? I was like, yes, I love them. <laughs> no matter what we're watching, like everybody has to fall in love in my eyes. <laughs> Or to have some form of that connection with someone else. Yeah, I exactly. always find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, okay, where is this going? <laughs> right. Did I see that look among the friends in the background, secondary characters? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, secondary characters, please. 
all about it. Yeah. Um, do you find that when you're writing a story, especially for the first book in a series, that are you already planning the entire series or you're saying, oh, this is a good story. And then the characters start coming more and more like, oh, now the secondary character wants more airtime. <laughs> Man, I, I think it changes depending on the series. Like I, I want to say that I think everything I've written so far, I've been so confident. I knew what the hell I was doing. And then I got like halfway into the second book or something. And this secondary character just leans full ass in front of my face and is like, Hey, like just immediately. I'm like, all right, yep. You're, you're getting a book. I didn't see that coming, but here we are. So, yeah. It, and I never seem to stick with the, not even, I was going to say meticulous plan, but that's kind of lying to you. <laughs> my, my outlines are pretty rough as it is. So I, but yeah, secondary characters typically pop up when I least expect it. And I'm like, great. I have to figure out a novella for you or something. <laughs> I mean, there's always something either they have a great line or they they're they're helping save something or they're helping the the hair you know the the main characters be who they want to be with whom they want to be with and and you're going, but what about you? <laughs> right? Yes, God, especially when they're just charming as hell and you didn't see that coming. Like I've got um, a character that recently popped up who's a non-binary micro raptor. And they were honestly supposed to be like a throwaway character. And yep, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, well, you're in it now. We're going to yeah. figure out what to do with you. A lot of authors have said that um, that the characters come to them almost as if they were like a real person. And they literally like up in front of them, as you sort of mentioned before. Is that with all the characters? Do you have them talking to you in your head and literally saying, um, hello, my turn? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say like a one for one. Like I, I definitely met people where they're like, they've actually hear them like straight up talking to them, which I'm so jealous about. I think that's amazing. Uh, mine's more like that story's just like knocking on the back of my skull. Like I'm trying to focus on, you know, so-and-so, but this dude from two stories ago that is mm -hmm. a minor character has been like, but what if you did like a grumpy sunshine with my character? Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm weak for those. I'm trying to focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So aside from having knowing that they're going to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a Velociraptor, you know, type of, you know, dinosaur, where do you get the ideas for the stories themselves? So since I'm a huge paleontology nerd, I, I listen to um, I Know Dino pod podcast and they it's um, Garrett and Sabrina are the hosts and they are delightful and they bring just the coolest paleontology news weekly and I devour it. So usually I will be listening to their newest discoveries about various fossils in different regions. Um, but the ones that really get under my skin is when they talk about the fossils that have been poached or that are on the black market. Um, it's, it's, a, it's the central theme to my relic series because it's such a huge passion of mine is repatriating uh, stolen fossils to the or their countries of origin. Like there is a fabulous story about Nicholas P. Cage buying a Tyrannosaurus skull for like some obscene amount of money, like $2 million or something. It was this beautiful, complete Tyrannosaurus skull. Well, it was stolen from Mongolia. Like he got it off the black market. Unbeknownst to him, he didn't realize it was stolen. I mean, he was just like, that's cool. I want it. So I'm not like, he's not a bad guy. He just had a lot of money and wanted a skull, but um, it was stolen from Mongolia. So 
the um, head of the Institution for the Study of Mongolian Paleontology, who actually works out of, I believe, the New York Museum sometimes, uh, the Museum of Natural History, she campaigned to get it repatriated. She was like, it doesn't belong in the U.S., like it needs to come back to Mongolia. This is a a Tabarasaurus skull and it, it doesn't belong to you basically, like you have no right to have it. So it was this huge legal battle and she eventually won and he had to give it back and it was repatriated back to Mongolia so they could study it because they actually have a beautiful thriving uh, paleontology department and culture there where they're, it's, it's celebrated. It's one of the uh, best places for paleontology in the world. And so she was able to get it back to her country and poor Nicholas Cage was just stuck like, you know, $2 million in the hole with nothing to show for it. So I feel bad, but um, I just, I love that story. So I wanted to take that and make it into a team of badass dinosaur shifters who their entire goal is to get stolen fossils and put them in the hands of museums where they belong. So they steal them from rich people who just want to show off and give it back to science because they want people to understand who they were at one point and understand the the history of the world. So I just, that's, that's where I get my inspiration is every time I hear about, um, you know, fossils not being treated the way that they need to and, and ripping away knowledge from humans, as far as like what the world once was, I'm like, that needs to be a story and there needs to be hot guys. (laughs) So yeah, I'm very Mm -hmm. passionate about it. I love that. Yeah. I just love how you are pairing up the importance of, you know, sharing that knowledge, letting this, you know, the story tell itself, um, but also hot guys. Um, no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if we could just get some sexy people in there as well as like, you know, encouraging scientific discovery and history, then woohoo. Then right. All yeah. the check boxes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I agree. It's, it's interesting though, how those are, you know, some of the stuff that we do as human beings um, in a, in a way of, because I know a lot of, uh, you know, celebrities or individuals that can afford it. Their mm-hmm. main goal is to have something nice or historical in the house or in their, in their possession. And many times I'm like, but it wasn't yours. You bought it now, but it was taken from somebody else before. Right. You know, and, and yeah, it's definitely not just dinosaurs. Yeah. Like it's real oh, yeah. bad with human culture. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, uh, you want to get me mad. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that stuff just boils my blood. And it's, I, I can understand where they're coming from because like you said, they have, they have the money and they, it's more of like, they're just trying to, to have something wonderful to, to show to people. And I can understand being a collector of artifacts and, and things like that. But when it boils down to it, it's not yours. And honestly, it should be in a place where we can collectively learn about it as a, as a species and not just hoard it away in somebody's living room because they think it looks nice. Like, come on, come on. Yeah. Do better. (laughs) Yes, totally. I I do love it when I hear those stories though, that the celebrity or the the person that had that ended up purchasing then turns around and donates it to a museum or it's, or returns it to its rightful owner, whether it's a, you know, institute or a family or member or, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Those are always good feel stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. With your stories and romance as a whole, there's always that moment where the characters either meet for the first time or they've been friends because we have the tropes, you know, enemies to lovers, so on and so forth. And right. there's so many different scenes in between, be- between the, you know, the beginning and the, the end. What is your favorite type of scene to write? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, dang. So I think I'm, 
I think I'm still very much an enemies to lovers diehard. Like Grumpy Sunshine's chasing it down pretty fast. Um, but enemies to lovers is there's just something so explosive about that relationship. So I really love a really good enemies to lovers where you've got that really just visceral mean shithead and like kind of a charming, like cocky flirty guy. And they just hate each other, but like they're needling at each other for this, like, you know, a couple chapters and that turning point that when you get to, write the scene were so fun because it's that moment of realizing like oh crap he's hot you know what I mean like, that, <laughs> yeah. like I hate this guy but he's, he's charming even though he gets me in a way that I don't think other people get because he's been like just messing with me for days or whatever so I I think that's my favorite moment is that not even like the first kiss or anything, even though those are great, but it's that moment of like, Oh crap. You know, like <laughs> that's my favorite, like that, that switch has flipped in one of their brains and maybe the other guy hasn't even made it that far yet. So it's, and then of course it's awkward and ridiculous after that. And it's so good. But I think that's my favorite part is when you, you finally get somebody to like cross that threshold and they don't want it to be where they are. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I love it too when they even argue with themselves, anybody else, but them, anyone right. else. And, yes. and, and you as a, as a reader and the listener are going too bad. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like just get up with it. Like, where is this going to go? And, and that's the other thing too, because at the end of the day, we, know, we're going to get a happily ever after. And it's mostly oh about the journey of how they get there, that it is for us in the romance community. Um, about you know versus the the ending and i think sometimes that's like thriller is like the who done it is usually mm-hmm. the end but for us we're like how'd they get there <laughs> right yeah it's definitely the journey because of course they're going to end up falling madly in love and, and doing the sexy times and all that good stuff but it's it's all the lead up and the banter and and snark and everything that folds into the story is i think what makes it so much fun and then of course when that because like if you've got a good author who really builds that up when they finally do finally tumble into bed together or, or whatever the romance is it's just it's so great they're just like yes yes i can't wait i'm so happy mm-hmm. are you the type of author that can that writes everything in chronological order or are you jumping around and even include sometimes where um maybe add fight scene here instead of writing the scene or add sex scene there um or how, how is your writing path for for the stories for you so I'm very linear which is a pain in the ass like I I'm so jealous of the authors who can be like I don't really feel like writing the scene right now I'm not in the headspace so I'm just going to put like come back to this and then jump ahead and write the scene that they're feeling right now my brain does not let me do that and it's just I hate it like I because everybody runs into that block where you're writing like a a transition scene or like you're supposed to be writing a sex scene, but you're tired. I don't even want to deal with this right now. Like I, I'd rather somebody be punching somebody in the face right now or them like just talking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially for romance authors, everybody knows sex scenes are very, can be very involved and hard to write sometimes where I'm like, I don't know how many times I need to put, like, how many, I, like, is there another word for cock? I've said this like 17 times. I need to come back to this. You know, I, I get it. I, I just wish so bad that I could just put a spacer and come back, but it, it never seems to connect correctly when I do that like it feels disjointed so I have to write linear and it 
sucks because if I get blocked or if I don't want to write the scene right now, then I just don't write, which is the worst. So, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm done for the day. Like, I got to get my head back on gear. So this is just a crap day for writing, which oh. happens to everyone. But oh, yes. man, those are the worst. Yeah, especially when you're if, if you're writing linear and it's like going, going, going great. Everything's moving along. And like, oh, man, mm-hmm. you know, that's I think the worst part when it's that sort of linear writing. I can imagine because yeah. you're like you have everything going, you have the flow, but then that stops. And but it's also nice to know that you too get tired um, and may have a headache as far as not wanting to write that scene just because you're not in the mood for it in the book <laughs> as well. Yeah, right? I was about to say, like, oh yeah, I mean that happens yeah. to everyone on page and off page. I'm like, I'm not, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No sexy time now. Yeah. <laughs> what made you decide? to put your titles in audio format. So uh, the narrator of my books, uh, Kurt Graves, is actually a friend of mine. Uh, we met, oh my goodness, a couple years ago. I met him as a fan. Like I, I met him because I'm a huge fan of TJ Klune and Kurt narrated the Wolf Song series, or the Green Creek series, sorry, Wolf, Wolf Song's the first one. So um I highly recommend that series. Beautiful, wonderful uh, gay storyline, gay romance with werewolves. And it's it's lovely. So I got to meet Kurt years ago at um, GRL, which is a gay romance lit retreat. And he was like one of those stars there. Um, and so I got to meet him and he was, of course, wonderful. And from there, we kind of kept in touch and like had like an an online friendship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just by pure happenstance in 2020, um, I moved, me and my husband moved from Texas into Wisconsin and Kurt lived in the same city that we were moving to, just pure serendipitous. And I was like, hey man, move into your town. So um, when I arrived, he had, it, it was it was a weird time because it was, I, I didn't know if um, my day job was going to keep me remote. And so um, I didn't really have somewhere to go outside of my apartment to like really work. He had set up a little place in his office to let me squat basically. And like Aww. had a desk for me. He like uh, two of my dogs had passed away before we, um, we moved and he had like these mounted framed pictures of my dogs. It was like the sweetest thing that I'd ever seen. It was just amazing. Like he's the most amazing human being alive. So when I finally reached a point in my author career where I could get some audiobooks produced, Tantor um, picked up the rights for the Relic series. So I like demanded, I was like, I won't sign unless you give them to Kurt. Like I want Kurt to do all of my audio because one, he's a freaking great human being and I love him. And two, he's an amazing narrator. Like every, if, if you listen to Under the Whispering Door or any of the Green Creek books, you will sob like a baby because like TJ's writing is amazing and Kurt sells it. Like he's an amazing performer. And that man makes me cry so much. (laughs) So um, it's, it's a weird, unique circumstance when it comes to that, that I was fortunate enough to be friends with the narrator I've always wanted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So just one of those things that's really cool. Yeah. Now that you're, as you continue to write and more and more books get into your different series and are you thinking about having them all be in audio? And if so, looking potentially at different narrators that fit the characters or what is what does that look like for you in your head so my goal is to try to get everything in audio but it's one of those tricky things because 
I know not all of them are going to be like for the Relic series. I was fortunate enough that Tantor picked up the bill because audiobooks are so expensive to produce, which they should be because you know narrators are you you pay them for their talent and their time and their production. Um, so I'm I'm all about like paying narrators what they're what they're worth, but they're it's, it's pricey. It's very expensive. So when me as an indie author, I, I have to either hope somebody picks up the rights or I have to pay for it myself. Um, so with, I have um, a complete, my Wild West Centaur series is great and I love it, but it like doesn't make enough money for me to justify the cost of putting it in an audiobook. Um, but I've got another book that's a standalone that sells really well called Ethan and Jag Destroy, Destroy the World. And it's about a human who accidentally summons a demon and like calamity breaks out. That mm. one um, has made enough to where I'm like, okay, it pulls in enough sales to where I can actually get it turned into audio. And since Kurt is wonderful with voices and he's an, he's an actor, so he can do different dialects and accents and things like that. Um, I plan on using him for as much as I possibly can, um, it, as long as his availability allows it and I can afford him. <laughs> so um, that's, that's my plan, but it's always one of those, I am open, like if I've got, um, you know, if conflicts happen or another narrator comes up that maybe would be a better fit. But honestly, I can't imagine somebody like being a better fit than Kurt. I mean, it hasn't happened to me in my brain yet. So my plan is to hopefully just have, like, just lock him in as my narrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's what I, he's who I use. There's so many different opportunities now, I think, versus four or five years ago, when it comes mm-hmm. down to having the audios made and there's so many more resources and information. Yes, they're still pricey, but there's different ways to go about it where everybody is happy at the end of the day. Right. And and I think that's one of the reasons too why I'm really looking forward to the Allure events in September that you're gonna be going to. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm really excited. I I I am excited to I always love meeting other authors and networking and and you know, of course, probably buying way too many books and, and audible <laughs> audible credits so I can download. Wait, so is there things. such a thing as too many books? <laughs> I've I've been told that, but I have yet to find that too many threshold. I know, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely networking with the narrators. I mean, it's, I, I never say never kind of thing. Like I, I hope to always use Kurt for everything, but like if I pivot into writing um, FF or sapphic romance, I mean, I'm going to need a female narrator for that, you know? So that's, um, it's, I'm definitely going there with a business cap on and hoping to make some connections and, and meet some amazing talent on both the author and narrator side. Mm-hmm. As well as the readers and the listeners that are going to, because this is the first event of its kind in that it's focused specifically on the audiobooks. Yes, this is really cool. I, I've never seen anything like this before. And audiobooks are really, really taking off. Like they're they're way more accepted into the lexicon. People are um, a lot more willing to consume that media. Whereas before, I think it was, I, I guess because there's so much more talent now, like being involved in the process and so many more authors being able to produce those books into audiobooks, either by, you know, royalty share or, you know, a company picking up the production rights and things like that, that you have so many more options now. Like, I think, well, for back in 2016, when I first started going into MM Romance and was consuming that content, there weren't a lot of books, but now it's like, I mean, cup runneth over. There's so many like amazing gay romance audiobooks out there with just crazy talent. So it's just, 
readers and listeners are, you know, however you want to classify them, like they have just a plethora of, of different things that they can enjoy and, and different genres that they can dabble into now, which is just so cool. Yeah. And finding new authors because they may have, they may love a narrator or the other way around discovering a new narrator because they love an author mm-hmm. is such a, you know, feeding of the love in each other as far as the community goes, because there's just so many new discoveries that you can find in the different genres and the tropes. And then again, the authors and the narrators, but this event, I think it's going to be really also a good time to learn a little bit more about what that process looks like of having the titles turn into audio and making it. So everybody knows that there are affordable ways to still get this done. You just have to do a little bit of that looking at what, works for the individual of as far as the author goes oh for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's tons of options i mean there's a lot more now than there used to be for sure so yeah i'm I'm looking forward to the 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 panels and the you know basically peeking behind the curtain (laughs) being able to to see what how like on the back end what it looks like yeah yeah that's also why i love it when the narrators give us a little bit of like in the booth sessions Uh Yeah. (laughs) yeah that's always really fun yeah um, or even that process of like, hey, you know, we're writing the books for you guys. And, you know, when you're sharing and you're even including some of us in the sense of asking your readers about a name and what you should name the dog or should they have a dog or a cat? You know, it's always fun. And then have you ever asked the fans, like, what dinosaur do you want to see next? I I have not <laughs> done one where they get to vote on the dinosaur because I'm I'm kind of an ass and I'm very picky about <laughs> which part of the Cretaceous I will allow the pull to be from. So mm-hmm. if I open it up and someone's like a stegosaurus and I have to be that asshole that's like, actually they're from the Jurassic. So I wouldn't be in there. Well, you can provide them with a pick between the following three. That yeah. You're okay probably, with. Yeah. I think that's, if I was going to do it, I would, I would have pre, <laughs> pre-written answers. It'd be like, you can pick from this selection that I would be enjoying. So maybe in the future, I I'm hoping down the road of doing like a Patreon kind of situation. So that might be one of those things where it's like, Hey, like if you're at a certain tier, you can vote on who the next, like what the next shifter is going to be kind of thing. Um, Cause I think that would be fun. My, my readers are delightful goofballs. Like my, I've got a um, reader group on Facebook. That's 99% just like dinosaur memes and hot guys. So it's like my favorite place <laughs> in the world. And it's just so good. So yeah, I think if I was going to allow my ridiculous people to vote, I need to give them structure. Otherwise it's going to go nuts fast. And that's why I love them. Yeah. <laughs> structure is good. It's important yeah. to have. I mean, we have to have <laughs> parameters. Um, but yeah, I mean, who would have thought that many years ago when Jurassic Park came out, um, that potentially there will be things like memes and sexy guys put together for dinosaurs. It's just not. <laughs> it's a it's a wild world we live in. <laughs> yeah, which is great, um, and I love it um, because it allows us to again escape and figure out. But also, again, those individuals that are, you know, love dinosaurs. They, oh yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because when I when I put uh, the first one I did was smash and grab, and honestly, I I put it out there and it was like this is my passion project. I'm going to throw it out there, see what happens. Like I didn't even put that much marketing into it. Like really just like threw it out there. And it was one of those things that I realized, I didn't realize how many other like female readers within the genre were also dinosaur kids. Like the, the, the Venn diagram is a circle. It's insane. Right. So I had so many, uh, not just women, but just people in general who would reach out and be like, I 
was the dinosaur kid. Like I loved Jurassic Park and Land Before Time. And it was like, it just spoke to them. And I was like, oh my God, these are my people. Cause like, I was that kid, right? I was the dinosaur kid. I had Land Before Time stuff and, and uh, you know, Jurassic Park sneakers and crap growing up. And I grew up and loved gay romance. So it was, I did, I was so delighted that there were so many dinosaur people who they read Smash and Grab, loved it, and like binged all the Jurassic Park movies again because it made them nostalgic for it. I was like, yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, again, it's when that happens, that's, that's the magic that I call it. You know, that's magic. Yes, it is magic. Yeah. And creating the community and having the, that like, oh, I'm not the only one feeling. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. It was just so cool. And it's like, the reader group just being just dinosaur nerds and mm-hmm. gay romance. I what can, I can ask for more. This is the best. Yay. That's fantastic. When you're not working and building these lovely wor- worlds where, you know, we have dinosaur shifters as well as all the other ones that you write, um, what do you do for fun? So I used to say that I was a gamer, played games. It's kind of tapered off. I, at this point now, I'm I'm one of those like, if I'm not writing, I'm stressed about writing. So usually I'm, that's all I'm doing, which is not healthy. I need another hobby. But um, I recently got back into gaming a little bit. Um, I've been playing, I played Stray, which is the newest game that just came out where you play as a, a cat. And it's more like a puzzle platformer kind of game. It's ridiculous. I loved it. I binged it for three days and beat it. Um, mm-hmm. I've got the new God of War comes out in November. So I've got to wrap up everything I'm doing because when that game comes out, everyone just needs to leave me alone like that's <laughs> I love that series so I do have some video game franchises I am 100% diehard about and I will drop everything to play them until mm-hmm. I'm done with it um so that's probably my my only other real big hobby besides writing other than like uh, I like eating <laughs> Going for walks, but I mean I I need to I need to find something else that's a creative outlet that's not writing so I don't burn myself out Mm because I know that that's a threat I just I haven't hit that point yet Mm -hmm. but yeah that's I I would probably say gaming is my only other thing that I really like funnel all of my mental energy into okay and working with words all day whether it's you know the characters or the plotting and things like that and or listening and reading um what is your favorite word different from your favorite curse word because that's the next part (laughs) My favorite word. Yeah. Ooh. That's tough. I'm trying to think of. Hmm. My brain's betraying me. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's mm. coalesce. <gasps> okay. It's it's random as hell. And I the reason I like it so much is because me and my husband play D. Well, you know what? We play D&D. I forgot we do that. We do that once a week. <laughs> Um, that's totally like, wasn't even in my brain. Um, so we have a dungeon master named Alan and he loves the word coalesce. And now I say it all the damn time. Mm. And so like, I will find a reason to use it. And it's like, because he uses it so much now it's like one of my favorite things to say. So we're going with coalesce. Okay. So with that being said, what is your favorite curse word? Probably twat waffle. A good one <laughs> just because it just rolls off the tongue and i yeah. just people stop being a twat waffle mm-hmm. yeah i may have to borrow that one here and there i know a few oh god do i know a few 
perfect description twat waffle got it perfect (laughs) and you like you already know what that is like yeah you know who's being a twat waffle oh god yeah i mean i already know who i would put in the dictionary definition of it you know boom (laughs) (laughs) here you go uh (laughs) but i love that i'm gonna borrow it um the other thing I love doing with you guys as my guest is playing the game of two truths and a lie um, for various reasons. Uh, not only do we get to know you better, but also see how creative and crafty you all are, aside from the gift of writing these stories, um, <laughs> because y'all are tricky sometimes. Um, <laughs> and I and I love it. So if you want to do so, if you can tell us what are your three, three things about you and we have to figure out which one's the lot. OK, so here are my two truths and a lie. Number one. I have accidentally kicked a shark. Hmm. Number two, I have been whisked off my feet by porn stars. And number three, I have belly danced in front of a crowd for money. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I want to say all very plausible, by the way. Um, (laughs) Because it all depends. I mean, as a floor, as a Floridian and someone that likes to go to the beaches, that whole kicking a, a, a shark potentially possibly could have happened sometime in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> and you never know when you're visiting other places or that they were even porn stars to begin with. So <laughs> you never know. I know, right? Okay. So which one is the lie? I did not need to keep the shark, whisk away by porn stars, or belly dance in front of a crowd for money. Hmm. Was the whisk by the porn star the lie? It was not. Ooh. So there's a story. There is a story. (laughs) So the lie is I kicked a shark. I've never been, like, I've been in the ocean, but not near sharks because I'm definitely afraid of them. So if I did kick a shark, I'd never go in the ocean again. Um, But the whisk away by porn stars, um, it was uh, the GRL convention, I think in 2017. I was there as a reader, not as an author at all. I showed up, I went by myself because I had nobody to go with me. And they had the Cocky Boys, which is a, a gay porn site. They had some of their actors there or their models, actors. Um, and you could take pictures with them. So I was extremely tired and like walked over and was just going to get like, just stand there. But they're like, oh, do you want us to like do something funny? Because people were being like, they were leaning into it, just being full ridiculous, posing however they want. Like, these guys were a treasure. I'm putting up with us just being total asses and, and being ridiculous. And I was like, no, it's, I just want to stand like a person. And um, this guy named uh, Alex uh, Meacham, I think was his name. He was mm-hmm. like, I can pick you up. And I said, what? And he full just picked me up like I was on the front of a romance novel and in his arms. And then I had like four other uh, hot guys like fawning (laughs) over me while he was holding me, like whisking me off my feet. And I just was like, ah, and they got a picture of me looking like extremely awkward with my feet in the air. It was great. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it was fabulous. I have the picture somewhere. I'll have to find it for you. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, I used to belly dance a couple years back. Um, I did it professional air quotes. Um, for about three years. And I mm-hmm. used to perform at the Texas State Fair. Um, and we did a whole belly dance routine out there. And uh, I got paid for it. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> nice. You know, of all three of those, I'm glad that those two were the truths. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. So thrilled that those were the two. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Where was that year, uh, that event at? It was, um, I think that was the one in Denver, Colorado, if okay. I'm not crazy. Because I thought um, they, they did one here in Orlando too. I missed it. I had some clients that were going to be there. Um, thing. Yeah, I think they did one a couple years back. Yeah, I, years. I don't it's remember. been a while. It, yeah, it's been a hot minute. I know mm-hmm. that they did. The ones I went to was Denver, then they went to Albuquerque, and then they went to Virginia, which is where they're going to be again this year, is in mm-hmm. Virginia. Okay. Um, and I think they're supposed to go back to New Orleans at some point, which would be super cool. Oh, that would be fun. So, yeah. Talk about more stories for your another session of Two Truths and a Lie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I'm glad, again, that those two were the truths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, not just sharks. No sharks. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I mean, I guess, and potentially, you know, but mm, I'd much rather have the other two stories if I had to choose. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on? What's coming up next for you that you can share? Yeah. So um, the next thing I have lined up is my newest um, series, which is an urban fantasy series. Um, the series is called Wild Contracts. Uh, Wild is the last name of the main character. His name is Dallas Wild. And he is a assassin, a moonlight assassin, also an exotic fish trainer, but he also kills necromancers and vampires. Huh. Um, so this guy is kind of bonkers, kind of all over the place. Think Deadpoolish kind of vibe, <laughs> but with a mild drug problem and a problem with like committed relationships. Hmm. Um, so it's going to be um, a three book series. Um, I actually am really excited because I was able to partner with a MM book box called Obsidian Flame Crate. And we're doing a limited edition hardback for this book. Nice. Like a cool illustrated cover and stuff. It's going to be really fabulous. So I'm really excited that we're going to launch with, with the box. So it's going to be very cool. Yeah. I love it when, when that happens. You get a little bit of extra goodies as well as you know, limited edition copies of sorts. Those were always fun. Yeah, I've, I've worked with this uh, book box before. They, the women who run it are fabulous people. They're big book nerds. They're putting a lot of really cool stuff into the box. So I'm extremely uh, honored that they invited me and excited to see it launch. Cool. And when more or less around what time do you think that will be as far as at least pre-orders? The pre-orders should open up in September and they do have a a news or like a newsletter or like a waiting list that you can subscribe to on their website. I think it's obsidianmooncrate.com. You can jump on there and and join their newsletter. So they'll let you know when the um, MM version of the box opens up in September. Fantastic. You have a lot of stuff going on in September. (laughs) Yeah, I've got, yeah. Along with Allure, which is I'm, I'm ramping up and buying stuff for and getting ready is uh, that book box is going to start the pre-orders and I'm hoping to be like signing off on like you know done copies of the hardback and getting that proofs ready and stuff so September is going to be packed I'm very excited Mm -hmm. yeah those are always good times but at the same time stressful Um (laughs) I I might be like knocking back some drinks at the Lord don't judge me (laughs) no no we won't no no no. I think there's just so many different things that are happening at the at the event right now with um you know first time authors and narrators going that have never been to a, a convention at all mm-hmm. those that are coming back that have it's been years since they've peopled um <laughs> in public and again it's the first time that we have it's this type of event where it's so specifically focusing on the audiobooks and it'll, it's gonna but it's gonna be so much fun 
Yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. The, yeah. the fire and ice ball sounds cool. I got a dress for it. Like I'm, nice. I'm so jazzed. It sounds like so much fun. They put a lot of really cool stuff into this con. They do. They have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely be seeing you on on the red carpet since yes. we're hosting that. And uh, we'll have to see if between now and then I'll check in on you. Someday. So hey, how are the boxes going? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fantastic well thank you so much Max, for uh, taking the time to hang out with me today it's been so much fun yes thank you again this has been a blast yep i will be including all of as well as your website so everybody can start getting all this lovely dinosaur you know paranormal and you know all this other fun stuff that you're writing with urban fantasies i'm like definitely someone that i love or you know uh, pnr and fantasy so i'm going to be diving into your books too nice um, thank you <laughs> yeah um we'll be including all that information over at the episode's post at viviana enchanters the books and until next time happy listening thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.